Hello and welcome to the Hall of Fame video game podcast starring Matt Levy and Mike Staub. We love video games and have embarked on a journey to index the greatest video games of all time into our very own Hall of Fame. Here's the show. Hello and welcome to the Hall of Fame video game podcast. I am your host, Matt Levy, and I am joined once again, where it seems like it's been a long time, Mike. We are back to talk video games. How are you, Michael Staub? I'm good, Matt. I'm good. Uh, I'm here to talk about some interesting stuff today. I think we're taking, we're doing something a little different, but I think it's going to be real cool. Yeah, every once in a while, you and me like to jump on some hot topics, whether it's a game announcements or game awards or end of the year stuff. But this is a perfect time right after we got not one, but two major presentations from both Nintendo and Sony. So we said, hey, let's chat about it. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a major presentation from Sony. I mean, this is all pre-Tokyo Game Show stuff. So there had been rumors that a Nintendo Direct was floating around for a few weeks before this one. Nintendo pretty much always shares something by early or mid-September. So it's expected pretty much right before the holiday season to pretty much give us stuff what's going to come out for the rest of the year and also catapult us into the next year. So their presentation was about 40 minutes. It showed 57 games, at least 57 games, and really just kind of pushed it to this, like, oh, it was exhausting. Like, it was almost like I couldn't handle any more game announcements or releases. And then on the other side, you had Sony, who did a 20-minute presentation, shared five games, some of which look very good, some of which are not no, I think they might have showed more than five. They might have showed like 10, but like five stand out. And ultimately, like, all right, some of the stuff is cool. Some of the stuff we've known about. There was one really good takeaway from the Sony Direct and from the from the Switch Direct or the Nintendo Direct. Of the 57 games, 56 of them are about farming. That's a joke. That's a joke. That's the joke going around the internet right now. But it shows that the Switch has really got no signs of stopping. Uh, at this point, which is crazy. And I hope that if if and when they do have a Switch Pro, or I don't even think it's going to be a Pro anymore at this point, I think it's just going to be a brand new console. I think we would have gotten the Pro when the OLED came out. And hopefully if Nintendo was smart, whatever their next console is, is completely backwards compatible. And it's easy to re-download all of your digital games because if they don't do that they're going to lose so many people because nobody wants to rebuy all the switch stuff or people just won't move on so we're in this weird spot but it was a very announcement heavy day yesterday and it's really cool to sit down and talk about it a little bit more i actually i thought the sony sony state of play was had some really good stuff not a ton of stuff i'm interested in but some really cool stuff and i think for me, the Nintendo Direct, I'm not even like going to say one won and one lost. I, I don't want to do it that way. For me, the Nintendo Direct was just like filled with stuff that I love. And actually, for the last year plus, Nintendo Directs have been stuffed filled with pretty much stuff. It feels like the last year to year and a half of Nintendo stuff has like been for me and those folks who like what I like. So I'm going to come out of this raving about how good it was because there was just so much stuff for me to be interested interested in. And it really bogged down the rest of my 2022 and the beginning of my 2023. Well, like you said, Mike, it's fun to reflect after these events, after these announcements. 
it's fun, the up leading up to it, the speculating. But I think what that does is it creates this toxic expectations. And then the whole internet is always disappointed. No matter what, they could have announced Sony or Nintendo could have announced 25 of their most popular games, say they're coming out tomorrow, and the internet would be disappointed. And these quote-unquote leaks or expectations of what's supposed to be coming are almost never right. I mean, they're usually pretty much wrong. And then people are disappointed, but you and me are going to talk about the the range and diversity of games of besides just farming sims. And we'll see that there's a lot of really good, exciting games on the horizon, specifically talking about the Switch Direct, if you want to start there, Mike. Yeah, so I would like to say something before we get into, into what the Nintendo Direct showed today. And people are always agitated when a Nintendo Direct happens because it's, for some reason, the, the three or four games that they knew were going to get announced aren't. And they they kind of get mad about it. Like if you go to the message boards, if you're on Facebook, if you're on Twitter, the discourse is just how bad the direct was because it didn't announce a couple of games. Let me just go ahead and say this. Because Wario 64 or Nibel or whoever that other guy was, Matt, that Jeffrey Grub Grub. Grub Grub. Yeah. Yeah. Jeffrey Grub or whatever his name is. Just because those folks report on reports that say Nintendo is remastering Wind Waker and Twilight Princess or Nintendo is remastering or remaking Metroid Prime. The information could be right. I mean, Pikmin 4, people are saying, has been done for years and we're finally actually seeing some of it today. So you can't get your hopes up on these things. And if you looked at Every direct mic, people are disappointed no matter what. I think you oh, look at the last six directs, they all suck compared to yeah. the internet. Well, also, I want to just say this though. Nintendo has never said these games were on the on the horizon. Anything about any game that Nintendo quote unquote may or may not release, any of that is speculation at best. Until the, the words come out of Nintendo's the mouth. The game that they've announced and taken away from us is Advance Wars. Yeah, we know <laughs> that that exists. And I do think Advance Wars will eventually release. I think the whole war in Russia thing, Nintendo does that. They've delayed directs because of tsunamis and earthquakes. They did not show this direct in the UK right. because the new Zelda game is yeah, literally called been, uh, Tears of the Kingdom. They've been honest about Advance Wars. They've been honest about Metroid Prime 4. When that game had to get basically reworked from scratch, they made a video and sent it out and said, listen, this game is not going in the direction we wanted. We have to start from scratch. And they were honest and upfront. And you're right. Any yeah. other game that the internet has basically forecasted it coming out has been just speculation. It could be some guy in their basement who spread the information out somewhere. There could be no Metroid Prime remaster even begun in Nintendo for all we know. No, no. None of this is ever official words. So when you go into Direct being like, I know this is the one where they're going to announce it, you have to take a step back and realize Nintendo's never indicated that they've done this. Right. That doesn't mean that they haven't, but it also doesn't mean that it that they did. And I love to throw speculation up oh, there because it's, it's fun. fun. It's fun to it's put fun. on the, the hat, the crystal ball, and make it seem like here we are saying... What do we want? What are we going to get? What do we yeah. think we're going to get? It's a lot of fun. Yeah. But here we are, Mike, with, I think, a, a very solid direct. And I want to throw out a couple of titles at you, and then you give me kind of your thoughts. The first two being the games we knew about. That's Bayonetta 3 and Mario Rabbids, the sequel. What are your thoughts on these two? You know, Bayonetta looks excellent. I'm very excited for Bayonetta. I hope it runs well on Switch. It should, because it's been on work on Switch for like three or four years now that we've known about, probably 
you know, more than that seems like it would be optimized for Switch because Bayonetta is somehow kind of a first party character for Nintendo to a degree. So I'm very excited to see what happens with Bayonetta 3. I will buy it day one. That will be a game I own when it comes out. I am a Bayonetta fan. I've played the first two games a bunch of times and it gives you that Devil May Cry itch. And I think Bayonetta 3 for the Direct too was a really nice mix up based on one of the a lot of the other games that were announced for the Direct. I think a lot of people are focused way too much on like the RPGs and the farming games. And while there were a bunch of them, there were some other stuff that really stood out and Bayonetta 3 is definitely one of them. Mario Rabbids, yeah, that's another one. I'm not sure what to expect from that game because it looks like they changed, kind of changed, fundamentally changed how... Like the core gameplay. Yeah, looks how the gameplay worked. So I'm a little concerned. That doesn't mean that I won't give it a shot when it comes out because I was completely by surprise, taken by surprise. Mario Rabbids came out and I love that game. So I'm excited for both these games. I do believe they're both October releases. I think it's crazy that Nintendo is starting to double up, and we'll talk about that when we look at February 24th, 2023, which is a day where three games come out from Nintendo or three games come out that are on the Switch. So it's kind of crazy to see that two two of their biggest games of the year come out in October, but I think we all know it's just get out of the way of Pokemon. November is just Pokemon month because everything's just going to be swallowed up by that game. Yeah, absolutely. So those are the two we knew about. And then, Mike, we started to get some ports some remasters, and then some games that we knew nothing about. First off, some of the ports. I don't know if you're familiar with Sifu, yeah. uh, Tunic, yeah. It, it Takes Two. These are three yeah. games that were highly regarded on other consoles, and they're making their way to the Switch. Yeah, It Takes Two looks rough on Switch. Sifu looks rough on Switch. I think that Tunic is a perfect Switch game. It's a Zelda game, right? So you really can't you can't do better. Right, you can't have a better console or more fitting console for Tunic than than the Switch, just because it's it's a Zelda game, and Tunic was great. It's beautiful. I will not replay it on the Switch because I don't have to, because I already played it already this year. But I think it's going to it's going to sell a ton. Most of these games on this list that are like have any sort of notoriety, half a million units probably are going to sell. Boom. Yeah. A half a million to a million units. I could see a lot of these games selling a million on Switch. So yeah, I um, agree with you. I think Sifu and It Takes Two, while they were very highly regarded on other consoles, the footage we saw so far looked rough. The resolution and the frame rates did not look up to what we've seen of these games on other places. So I'm hoping, because I'm actually curious about Sifu. I heard it's a great game. I'd yeah. love to play it, but it didn't look like this will be the best place to play it. No, I feel like that's a PS5, PC type of game. You're probably better off there with Sifu. But you know what? For those who don't have a high-powered gaming PC and can't get a PS5, or I don't know if it's on PS4 or whatever, if you can't get your hands on these consoles, then Switch might be a serviceable port that you can at least experience the game. So that's the same thing about The Witcher, right? The Witcher 3. So people really say that some of these ports are really competent, even though they don't look as good. Yeah, some people are not snobs about refresh rates and frames, counting frames and all that. And some people would say, you know what? I have fun and that's fine and that's great. And if it doesn't bother them, then hey, this good. Also, here's an adaptable place you could play it. Also the portability. Like I think people underestimate just how good the portability with the Switch is. I, I think hardcore gamers are like, I don't need to carry my Switch around. I'm like, oh, that's fine. But a, a major selling point, like... I even use, like, I, I play kind of 50-50 now. I, I might even lean a little bit more handheld because I have a Switch Lite. 
And I actually kind of really love the that atmosphere of being able to like just have the Switch Lite play on the couch while watching something. But even the way I handle my regular Switch, I have a dock on every TV on my in my house. So no matter where I am, I could just pop that Switch into a dock and play the game I was playing upstairs on a different TV while like my, my wife watches TV somewhere. I have three docks and I yeah. keep telling myself I don't need a fourth, but there's one, that fourth room that doesn't have a dock. And I'm like, I should just get a dock already because I don't want to move it. Matt, when COVID happened, I bought four docks and I'm like, dock on every TV. My computer monitor has a dock. My living room has a dock. My basement has a dock. That's I got great. docks everywhere. That is awesome. That is great. So yeah, I agree. The portability is something you cannot discount. And when you have this game on Xbox, a PC or a PlayStation, you're basically locked to playing it there. Yeah, I know people will be like, well, you can play Game Pass on your phone and stuff. I'm like, yeah, I, maybe. Like, it's not the same. It's not. Because I don't think playing games on your phone while they're like attached to a controller is ne- is really the best way of handheld gaming. I think Nintendo and Sony with the PSP and the Vita really kind of nailed how handheld gaming consoles need to work. So I'm excited. I'll see. I don't know if I'll play Sifu or It Takes Two on, or, oh, I definitely won't play Tunic again, but I don't know if I'll play those on Switch, but I might. I might. Well, let's, let's jump to another one that I think is like a remake more than a remaster. You'll tell me. This is Crisis Core. Final Fantasy VII Reunion on the Switch. Yeah, it's like in that weird in-between stages of being a remaster and a remake because all the graphics look like they're updated. I loved Crisis Core on the PSP. I played the heck out of that game when it came out, so I'm really excited for this game. This is a great game to have like for the holidays. It comes out in mid to late. So this is a prequel based on the character Zack, correct? Yeah, so this is Zack's story that happens before Final Fantasy VII, which is cool. Because Zack is a great character, he has connections to Aerith, or Aerith, and he's going to be in the remake part two. We know that's going to happen. Zack is back. So whether he's the one who dies instead of Aerith, who knows, but it's going to be good to introduce fans to to Zack. Very cool. And then the other remaster, Tales of Symphonia, a GameCube RPG that was beloved. Mike, you excited for this one? Oh, yeah. I think it's one of my favorite GameCube games. I think it was in my top three. And I think I also talked about it on the micro podcast I did where I talked about RPGs. Tales of Symphonia was my gateway. It was my my gateway into the Tales of series, a series I had not really experienced before that. But when you have a GameCube and you're an RPG guy, you have to buy every RPG that comes out because there was like five of them. And Tales of Symphonia, when that came out in 2004, it took over my summer. It came out like late Jan- late July, rather, late July 2004, and I played it for the entire summer. It was a beautiful, amazing summer game, and I will be buying this. If there is a special edition, I might get a special edition, but I will be buying this physically the day it comes out. This will be in my mailbox. Now, this is one of those rare cooperative multiplayer RPGs, right? Can't you play this with a friend? You can play this with up to three other people. So you can play it with four because the combat is almost like a fighting game. So you can have three other people control your other characters, or you can have the very competent AI for 2004, the very competent AI really fight with you. And the AI in the Tales games when you're fighting is quite good, quite good. No, very cool. That's one I'm excited for as well. Then, Mike, we got a bunch of games that are getting more content. I don't know if any of it's noteworthy to you. Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is getting some DLC. Mario Strikers getting some updates. Switch Sports. Switch Sports is getting some golf. And Mario Kart 8 is getting another wave this winter. Any of those noteworthy to you? I always like seeing more Mario Kart stages. I, I think I, I 
pretty much knew we were going to get more Mario Kart stages. And it's a great way to just be like, here's 10 seconds in a direct. Here's Mario Kart stuff. So great. Good. After that, we got some Nintendo Switch Online content for the N64. And we got there, we got a trilogy of Mario Party games. Which yeah, I wonderful. thought after that, I, when they started listing them, like, are they giving us like all five or I think there's five on the 64? I started laughing. No, there's three on the 64. Okay. The three. Then, four is on the GameCube and four is the best one. Gotcha. But uh, one, two, and three are good. Mario, yeah, Mario no, Party 2 is really good. They're great games. And then after that, we got the Pokemon Stadium uh, two games coming to us. That's We're, that's interesting, Matt. It's very interesting because I wonder how they're going to do as far as like uploading content to that game. And then my next question is we got 1080 snowboarding and then there was this kind of a lull, Mike, and they, they kind of hinted there was one more. You heard the music yeah, play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you expecting GoldenEye 007? No. Honestly, I thought GoldenEye was D-E-D dead. Because anything to deal with James Bond is a nightmare for rights. It's a nightmare. James Bond, for those of you who don't know, I'll give you the Cliffs notes. James Bond is a property that is owned by, this is their name, the Broccoli family. Okay? The Broccoli family owns James Bond as a character. They lease the rights to James Bond or they give they sell the rights to James Bond for movies and stuff to United Artists or whoever's making them. Oh, it jumps it was, around. It went for yeah. MGM. MGM. Then Apple, I think, owns them now. I think they're on it's yes. Amazon. Who knows? It's, it's all over. All over the place. But James Bond, but this is a movie, this is a game that is a movie tie-in that has the likenesses of the actors and actresses in from the movie in the game. But maybe they can get around it. Or maybe they just paid for the rights. Look at the Cowabunga collection, right? The Cowabunga collection, I was just listening to a podcast about how they had to get all the rights back for the Cowabunga co collection. And we got lucky that that even happened, right? So it was kind of, maybe it was lightning in a bottle and they just ran with it. And GoldenEye is going to be on Switch. It's going to be on Xbox. It's going to be on PC. But the Switch is the only one that has online multiplayer, which is weird. But no, I never expected in a million years this version of GoldenEye to ever come back. Yeah, I agree with you. I thought if we ever saw this game again, it would be modified. It'd be different. They would have to exclude things. They have to change characters or likenesses. I agree with you. We're getting the music, the levels exactly as they were with some online. So that should be a lot of fun. So I was excited to see that they're rounding out the Nintendo Switch online specifically for the N64. I was a little disappointed. I don't want to be one of those people. I thought as a year into the N64, Maybe they'd announce Game Boy or something else, but maybe they're riding this for two years and maybe we'll get be another year from now where we get some additional systems or, or handheld systems. Well, well, Matt, I will say this much about what Nintendo's got, okay? There are some games that are coming out for Nintendo in January. There's, there's a big game in January that got announced at the Direct, a game that we all kind of knew existed because we've seen screenshots from it, but we'll get into that in a minute. And then there's a huge end of February. But then we have... March and April and half of May before another big release. So Nintendo always likes to do a direct sometime in mid-February. So I think we're going to get a direct in mid-February that might finally show the Game Boy Advance and Game Boy Color games. They That one might Which, actually show that, the remasters too. That makes a lot of sense because the Wii U 3DS eShop actually closes in March officially. Mm -hmm. So that would actually make sense where it's like, all right, this is closed and here it's on the new 
new they, server for you they to got, play. They got to make that money while they can, and then they'll announce it, and they'll announce it, and it'll be fine. And but I still think out. the N64 games that we did get announced were very exciting. I think yeah. that does add legs to that that mm-hmm. content. Mm-hmm. And let's move over to another, I guess, remaster. Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe, Mike. This, I yeah. believe, was a Wii title. It was a Wii title. I love this game. I love this game. But I do feel like the art style is a little different. I feel like if we compared the art style for the from the Wii one to the the Switch version, it feels like it's cell shaded. It feels like DDD looks different, like he's even smaller. And there's like hard like black outlines on all the say, characters. The black outlines makes it look like if you played Smash Brothers on the 3DS. Yes. It has that kind of outline to it. I agree with you immediately. And I think they actually made it look better because I played the Wii version recently and it's very soft looking. A lot of those Wii titles just haven't translated yeah. to the HD world well so i 100 agree with you and i think that game will be a good fill in the gap in february even though you said there's a bunch of titles for that type of audience it's a nice hopefully 40 dollar game but never underestimate nintendo <laughs> it's gonna be 50 i'm just telling you right now it's gonna be 50 i'm actually looking at a video right now comparing the switch version to the wii version and yes it is complete graphical overhaul awesome so there's a total graphical overhaul it definitely saw hardened out those soft edges it makes all the Kirby's look different. It makes the the characters like DDD look a little different. And Matt, it's going to be 50 bucks. I'm fine with it. If it's that good, I love this game. you can have my money. I love this game. We had three really good side-scrolling platforming games with New Super Mario Brothers, Donkey Kong Country Returns, and Kirby's Return to Dreamland. So if you haven't played this and you're a Kirby fan and you got your, your itch in with for the Forgotten Land or whatever it's called earlier this year, which honestly is still like my game of the year, which is weird. This is a really nice compliment to that. And that might finally be the death bell for whatever iteration of the Switch we're running right now. Because Kirby kills consoles. Yep. I hear you. So we got that coming. And then they announced a bunch of Resident Evil next-gen games in cloud versions. Now, I've never done much on the cloud. I think I tried Control, and I didn't love the way that played. Have you have any experience with any of the cloud games, Mike? I don't like the cloud games. I I think they're stupid. They don't work. It's been pretty much showed across the board that the cloud services don't work for Switch. These games don't work, but I also live in the United States. Yeah, I think in some areas in the world, this might work better. Yeah. It's really not for it us. Might, no, it might be for more of a Japanese audience who's playing a lot more a lot more in the handheld space and maybe you're closer to the servers at Capcom or whatever. Well, before we get to some of the big, big titles, Mike, that you're excited about, let me throw a couple of small ones at you still. We have Fatal Frame was announced. We have Great. Front mission, the the one and two remakes were brought into. I think we already knew about those. We saw them again. Yeah. So the, here's here's what's cool. It's like we got Fatal Frame. Awesome. Fatal Frame was like a classic horror game. Classic good horror game. It kind of was like the. It's like if if Resident Evil and Silent Hill were Pepsi and Coke, Fatal Frame was like Seven Up or Sprite. So very good. And it, I might actually jump into that and play those. And great on Switch. Awesome. More was horror there, games on Switch. Do you recall a release date for Fatal Frame? Is it around Halloween? Off the top of my head, I don't remember. It might yeah, be. It I might be around Halloween. That. I mean, Bayonetta is right before Halloween. It's It makes sense. She's a witch. Sure. But Fatal Frame, awesome. What was the other one? Oh, Front Mission. I got it. Yes, Front Mission 1 and 2 remakes. So, so for Front Mission 1 and 2 remakes, we knew those were coming, but we got a solid date for Front Mission, which I think believes comes out in like October. I'm really excited to play these. I never played Front Mission 1 or 2. 
I don't think they released in the States. And if they did, I think they might've just been on PSP and I never played them. And I love strategy RPGs. So I'm going to really be into this. I'm super excited for Front Mission. The strategy RP train, RPG train does not stop. We thought it might've stopped at the end of 22, but we already know that it is going fully strong into 2023, which gives me even more hope that Final Fantasy Tactics is getting a remaster. So we're getting, we knew that, we knew that Front Mission 1 and 2 were getting remade. But what we didn't know was that Front Mission 3 is also getting remade. And that was a PlayStation 1 game. And that game is excellent. So that is great news for you strategy dorks out there like me. Yeah, the RPG and the strategy train is like the train from the Chris Pine Denzel Washington movie. It is unstoppable. You cannot stop (laughs) the RPG switch train. So let's continue on that train. With We got Rune Factory 3 Special and Harvestella, two games that have some Japanese and RPG roots, Mike. Yeah, Harvestella looks better. I mean, Rune Factory, I've never really played. I'm not super interested in Rune Factory. Harvestella has me interested because it feels like it's an old school Final Fantasy game with the farming sim elements added in. So that could be really cool or it could be okay. I downloaded the demo. I will... I will report back and update you all on how I felt about the demo at a later date. But I'm excited for Harvestella because you know what? I had a lot of fun with Animal Crossing. I know there's a lot of cottage core, like cozy games going on around right now, but I'm very excited to see how this like translates into like classic JRPG Final Fantasy stuff. Awesome. Next, we have a big one. Actually, it started the show, Mike, and that was Fire Emblem Emerge, a Fire Emblem game that was kind of hinted at a few months ago. They were saying someone had said there was a leak that there was a Fire Emblem game ready. So there was a leak that this game has been ready for years at this point. There was a leak that there was a Fire Emblem game coming out where you would like team up with the old characters and you had this main character who had like two different color sets of hair. And then images from the game started popping up on the internet and people started referring to the lead character as Pepsi Girl because they have the main character, whether you choose whatever you choose, the the, the guy or the girl, both of them have like hair that is split down the middle and one side is blue and one side is red. So everyone just refers to them as like Pepsi Chan or Toothpaste Chan or whatever you want to call them. Fire Emblem's good. I I like Fire Emblem. It's more strategy RPG. It's definitely going to be the game that I get at the beginning of the year to like kick the year off after I've wrapped up all my game of the year games for 2022 fire emblem will kick open 2023 and say the strategy RPG is here to stay. And I'm very excited. It actually does look like a game that could have been developed years ago. It doesn't look for me, actually, if you compare it to three houses, just from the footage, three houses looked more next gen than emerge emerge. looked to me like an older school fire emblem game, but that could just be just the footage we saw. Yeah, it could be the footage we saw, but at the same time, it might just be the fact that it's purposely going back to a yeah. more classic style. That's what like it, it like. looks like it plays more like the GameCube games. The GameCube one. Yep. That's and while what I was I, thinking. Yeah. Yeah, no, true. And while I liked my run around the school stuff in Fire Emblem Three Houses, I know a lot of people didn't like that. So this might be a more pure Fire Emblem game without as much of the relationship management. So we have, I think, the three big ones to talk about from the Switch Direct. And the, the, before we get to them, we had Fitness Boxing, which I, never underestimate 
a fitness game, Mike. Especially one with characters from Fifth, Fist of the North Star in it. Like the Fist of the North Star music started like playing in my head while I saw this. And all I could think is, is that one line he always says is like, which means you're already dead. So I'm super excited. Yeah, that'll excited. be crazy fun. And then the other musical game is Final Fantasy Theater Rhythm Final Bar Line, which looks like if Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is the ultimate Mario Kart game. This looks like the ultimate theater rhythm game, Mike. Yeah, I'm getting it. They got so many songs. Live Alive was in it. I mean, the amount of different games. Live Alive, the Chrono Games, Near. It's filled, dude. It's filled. And all those games have like ridiculously good soundtracks. So in. So in. I'm going to get theater rhythm and I'm going to have so much fun with it. (laughs) Let's get to the big three. The first one being a game... I did not know was even in development. This is Octopath Traveler 2, Mike. Can we take a second and and like, can we pat- The little engine that could. Can we pat Team Asano on the friggin' back, dude? Let's talk about Team Asano for a minute, all right? They released two games this year, Triangle Strategy and Live Alive, neither of which were probably that hard, that easy to kind of put together. Bravely Default 2 came out last year, right? And then you had Octopath Traveler a few years ago. This this team is ridiculous, and it seems like it's hit after hit after and hit. These for games me. are well made, well developed. They have a huge following, and the followings for these types of games are just growing and growing. They're really good, and man, the HD two D graphics are awesome. They look so much better in this and game I than they did like in the first. They're gonna learn their big lesson from Octopath Traveler one, with people were saying how they didn't like how each of the storylines. We're more separated. If you like here, they learn their lesson. They're going to be doing more to keeping the team intertwined. You can do different things at day during the day than at night. It looks like the world is kind of like more of a Victorian era kind of world. So you're like you're it's all the same classes from the first game. It's all the same classes from the first game, but they've mixed up the characters that are have those classes. So it's all new characters. But like your merchants kind of like a mobster. Right. And like your scholars kind of like this really devout, like scholar type character. So they've mixed around the personalities in the job classes. And I can't wait to mix and match those. Your warriors, a samurai. It's all very, very cool. You've got like ancient Japan stuff. You got, oh, it looks so good. Looks like you might get a ship. This is so good. I had no idea this was happening. Unfortunately, I kind of had it soft spoiled for me on a group that I'm in on Facebook. I heard like 10 minutes before. The direct went up. There were listings for this game online. It was legitimately live on Steam. Wow. 10 minutes before wow. the direct went up. And I thought it was a meme. I thought it was a joke. I'm like, oh, no, that's that's not real. And then Square Enix presents. I was like, no, <laughs> no. And it's coming out soon. It comes out in February. Yep. But so within we're the only course talking of a year. five months away. It's going to make me want to push through the first game. I had let big RPGs. You get distracted. It's a 60-hour game, roughly. And I think I was like eight or 10 hours in. So now I'm going to have to go back over the winter and play it. I'll tell you, the stories don't really intertwine in the first game. And that's its weakness. I think the strength of the first game are the path actions that you can do outside of combat, which I think are so cool. Like, I you also can think literally, the combat itself is excellent. The combat itself is probably the best 2D. I'm sorry, probably the best turn-based RPG combat um, ever. <laughs> I might be saying I might be might be saying a lot, but it's really good. Like the way it works is even better than Bravely Default, which is a series I really like. Octopath is is a much better combat system. It's lacking in a few places, but man, I'm so pumped for two. And they went out of their way to be like, the story's intertwined. Enjoy. Boom. The next big one, which 
I was completely shocked about, but we had hints for years it was coming, and that was Pikmin 4. Yeah, man. Listen, they showed literally nothing. They showed like five more seconds than they showed during Metroid Prime 4's reveal, which was just like a a graphic. But Pikmin 4, I loved Pikmin 3. I think we both loved Pikmin 3 quite a bit. I think it was on both of our best Wii U games, possibly. I loved Pikmin 3. Love, 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 love Pikmin 3. I think Pikmin is an interesting, offbeat, weird, Lemmings-like game. And I think it will do fairly well on the Switch. I think Pikmin 3 did really well on the Switch for a Pikmin game. And I think this will do really well on the Switch. And you know what? Why not? Let Miyamoto make his weird plant people game. Yeah, I'm with you. I loved Pikmin 3. I'm excited for this game. My only fear is, I don't know if I read it or if he said it, but I was heard that they're changing the style of the game where you're now at the you're looking from the perspective of the Pikmin. And if they yeah. change the basic concept of the game, I listen, trust, trust in Shigeru, but <laughs> I don't know. It's crazy. Listen, man, even he has a few misses with like Doshin the Giant. So it happens. But hopefully this is just another enjoyable. Right. If you just give me another adventure in another area, a a ship crashed, there's new weird Pikmin and you're finding different fruit and pieces of electronics. I'm fine with that. Give me that. I need to get those Duracell batteries again. (laughs) I'm fine with all that. So Pikmin 4 was one I was really excited about. But the big one, Mike. Oh, the big one. The big one was SpongeBob. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, SpongeBob. SpongeBob is back again. But we're talking Breath of the Wild sequel, Tears or Tears of the Kingdom. I don't know, again, if this is a hint. They were saying this title could be a hint at future games. Mike, what do you think of what we saw, which was very little still? I think it looks great. I think think Tears of the Kingdom is a very good title if it's Tears of the Kingdom. If it's Tears of the Kingdom, it's not as good. Just because I think that, and it might be both, right? The symbol behind it was an Ouroboros. It was a snake eating itself, right? So I don't know. I don't know what this game has. I think the verticality is fascinating. There are people are already speculating that there's seven like tiers that are yeah, like surrounding some something. sort of hint of something seven and people think that could be dungeons they think it could be so many different things the verticality mike scares me because with the essence of the first game was that you couldn't just fast travel across the world you couldn't just travel anywhere really quickly you had to explore and climb mountains and climb hills and push through and i feel like if you could just jump on that look like a paper plane and just fly across does that diminish what this game really is? I don't think so because there's going to be stuff under you. You know what I mean? So like if you're flying over stuff just to quickly get somewhere else you need to go to that you know you have to get to, that's fine. But there's also tons of ground underneath that thing. There's also tons of stuff in the sky. So, I mean, if you're essentially, I wouldn't say doubling it, but you might be multiplying the the ground by like 150, 150%. Like you might be increasing it by like one and a half times the size of Breath of the Wild. Uh, it would be n- It's nice to get a quicker travel method. Yeah, um, no, that's true. And we're talking, it's been six years. It'll be in May since we got the original game. So yeah. they had plenty of time. Any doubts that I have, I'm sure will be pushed aside come like March, April. And we get like the full unload of what this game really is. Because right now it's all speculation. We've seen images of boulders going up, Link dropping down flying in the air. We really have no idea what this game is. The original trailer, if you remember, Mike, was in a cave. Yeah. 
Yeah. So we don't know what's going on there with that. We don't know what's going on. It looks like you have puzzles that take place in the ground and on the sky. So hopefully all of that together comes together and forms a really interesting take on what this kind of new Zelda format is. So I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm very excited for this game. I think it's a great name. I think it's very hard to if you're the follow-up to Breath of the Wild. I think it's got a uphill battle just because people just want Breath of the Wild to, to be Breath of the Wild with dungeons. So I think Nintendo is always going to challenge themselves to do something unique and original. And I think it could turn people off ultimately, but I'm excited for it. Bring on May 13th, 2023. If I've already finished Fire Emblem and Octopath Traveler. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Nintendo doesn't always give you the sequel you want. I mean, we didn't get a sequel to many games. I mean, Mario Odyssey is one of them that people thought, oh, that'll get a sequel. Galaxy did. But that's not Nintendo's forte. That's not not necessarily their forte, but that's not their strategy. They want to give you something, not what you're asking for. They give you something else, whether you want it or not. So it will be interesting to see what this game is. We actually have now about six months, give or take, actually eight months to speculate. And I'm sure we'll get tons of more footage as we get closer to it. But that's definitely everyone's most desired game that's for the big 2023. One. That's the big one. So that kind of wraps up, which I think is an incredible direct and that doesn't even include games like pokemon that we're nope. still getting nope. this year it's crazy man nintendo is just it's on it's on a war path dude it's like game after game i do think we will get advanced wars it might be shadow dropped it could be like like you said like an early december yeah they yeah. just say hey 29.99 pick up your advanced wars yep. now just in time for Christmas. Another big one I just want to bring up quick, and it's not like a huge one, but it's a really cool announcement. The most ex- One of the most expensive Sega Saturn games is now available on Switch, and that's Radiant Silver Gun. It's an amazing top-down shooter, and it's hundreds of dollars if you want to buy it for the Saturn. Was that so, shown in the montage towards the end? Yes, it was shown in one of the montages, but it's a big it's a big one. It's a big game. It's a big game in the retro community, so it's really cool. A lot more people will have access to it. But other than that, I love the Direct. I, I enjoyed it very much. And it was, while it did kind of lean hard on RPGs and like Square Enix games, that's good for me. <laughs> yeah, there's you know? a lot of content out there. There's a lot of great games. And if something here wasn't for you, there's other systems, other consoles, other games out there yeah. to play. I mean, it's it's not for, everything's not for everybody. And on the Sony side, which I know you, you touched on briefly before, yeah. there wasn't a ton that, again... I would say was for me, but people were very high on this. I think the the Neo developers announcing Rise of the Ronin, this open world samurai game, that could be really cool. That could be cool. That looks good. I was surprised we didn't get any more Resident Evil 4. The big takeaway from Sony's state of play for me was Tekken 8. Tekken 8 looks, and I'm not even like a big Tekken fan, but Tekken 8 looks ridiculous. I thought that, that looked looks like ridiculous. I think that was the most impressive fighting game trailer i've watched in a very very long time so i'm with you i saw that footage and i was like i'm playing this game it looked that good oh definitely i i I think that looks amazing i'm actually very excited for like a dragon isin which is like a yakuza game that takes place in by the yakuza developer that takes place in like feudal or like uh i don't know like maybe like 1800 samurai era japan and I love those Yakuza games, so give me more of that. I, I want to play Judgment and Lost Judgment too. So that one stood out to me as a game I definitely want to play. As for the rest of the direct, the state of play, yeah, God of War Ragnarok looks good. 
I mean, it looks amazing. Like it's unbelievable to look at, but I'm getting tired of the the Sony first party AAA game where it's like, this is an adventure game where you play as a character, you're playing the whole game from behind their shoulder and you have three skill trees that you can max out. Like, I feel like that is the AAA adventure game right now. There's dozens upon dozens upon dozens of games that are like that. And I can just go ahead and name a few of them right now. The Last of Us, God of War, Spider-Man, Ghost of Tsushima, Horizon, Assassin's Creed, Tomb Raider, like Star Wars, Star Wars Jedi. So many games have this layout and this style, Batman, right, to a degree. And it was novel and original at one point. But at this point, it's like we've 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 we kind of need AAA development to change a little bit because stuff is getting very, very much the same. And while God of War is beautiful and will probably give us a great story and have great character moments and crazy action, I just I'm starting to feel less of a need to play these games because one, we've talked about this before. The best way to change it is put the three skill trees out there and make it so that you can only pick one. Differentiate your character. That allow people for are actually having different experiences rather than yeah. everyone having this pre-programmed cinematic experience. That's it's almost too pre-programmed. You feel like the game's almost playing itself. Yeah, and it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like one of these things where these games were amazing at one point, but like just because the formula worked ten years ago doesn't mean it's still fresh. It's it's old. I used to love when games had this stuff. Like I was all about it. I was all into. Obviously, I love Spider Man. Right, Spider Man is one of my favorite games on the PS4. But I'm starting to get really tired of it. I really am. There's fatigue with how these games operate. And you now, know, Matt, yeah, we play a lot of games. So. Of course, we're not the average person, and some people might get excited for these two or three AAA high production value games. And I don't want to poop in their cereal as the expression is similar <laughs> to that, but you're right. There is a certain formula and it's a formula that they probably make a lot of money doing, Yeah, but, but it needs to be a little fresher, more unique. And I'm all for that. And as I watched God of War Ragnarok, I'm sitting there thinking the production value is off the charts, cutscenes, the footage, the dialogue, it's all 10 out of 10. Yeah, but but the actual user experience for me, to me, it's a little boring. So that's that's I'm kind of with you there. Yeah, it means a lot. Where it should be very telling that the game that I am the most excited about that we've heard about in the last two days was it 2D HD game? Is it a 2D RPG? Now, granted, I am a kid of the '90s. I grew up with that type of stuff. There is a nostalgia factor there, but. It seems like these smaller companies, these B-tier developers, whether they are under a, an umbrella of a major video game corporation or they're an indie, are the only places that are doing interesting things right now. I feel like I it's like weird because my my taste in movies and I love like arts artsy movies and stuff like that, but like I feel like AAA video game development has become the comic book and action movie side of video games where the indie space and these B-tier developers have become like the award winners, right? Like even look at the last few years, it's like Hades wins game of the year. Is, is Hades my type of game? No, but Hades did something interesting. It was great to look at. It sounded great. It played incredibly well. And you know what? It was it had a retro feel to it. If you're getting trounced by an isometric, kind of like a hack and slash Zelda-like, and you're putting out games like God of War, 
you might have to take a step back and really go, okay, I we need to change the way we do things. The problem is, is these games cost so much money to make that if they divert from the formula, they're probably afraid that they're not going to get the sales. But take some lessons from Nintendo, right? Nintendo has changed Zelda like every single time. And you know what? Those games still do well. Mario too. They do not yep. make the same game twice. They do not nope. give you. I think Mario Galaxy is like the exception to the rule. That's like the Frozen 2 of Disney sequels. Disney's another one that does not do sequels. Nintendo likes to do things different each yep. time. So as I watch the state of play, the other game that I want to like so badly, Mike, but it's going to be so much trash is Hogwarts Legacy. Oh, oh man, yeah. I love Harry Potter. I love the <laughs> movies and the books. But this game is going to be trash. I know it. It's going to be a dumpster fire, but I will probably play this dumpster fire. Yeah, Hogwarts Legacy, man. You know what? A lot of people are excited about it. It's a big open world Harry Potter game, probably with three skill trees. Uh, you know what, dude? I totally get it. I totally get it. I totally get we're, it. We're waiting like 20 years for like, a real Harry Potter game. We've got Lego. We've gotten those awful ones they made back like the PS2 era. Yeah. It's just a shame when you have like a franchise that's like rich with media and, and film and books, but you just can't make a freaking good video game. Matt, I, I don't know what to tell you, dude. <laughs> it's all right. It uh, is fine. I'll, we'll have Batman and Spider-Man though. Those games yeah, are good. Yeah, no, I'm sure Gotham Knights will be fine. I know we're not high on it, but I think that game will be at least polished enough. Yeah. Yeah. We'll go so, with that. So Mike, that was the Sony state of play, which was kind of a mini. It wasn't like a massive E3 one. And then we had Nintendo's big fall winter direct. So it was a lot of fun speculating. It was a lot of fun watching. It was like Christmas morning, kind of waking up to the direct. Yeah. And, yeah. and we have a lot to look forward to in the, ne in the next months to come. I think so. I'm very excited. I think gaming is in, there are part aspects of gaming that are in a very, very, very good place. And while I do have gripes with a lot of AAA development, I think there's a lot of great stuff coming out and the creativity is hitting all-time highs. So rah, 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 let's go video games. And I'll see you probably never um, because there's 17 RPGs coming out in the next six months. So Mike, then why don't we transition to what have you been playing? Just quick, because it's the same game I've been playing for like the last three weeks on this show. I'm playing Xenoblade 3. It's great. I love it. It's just really long. There's a lot to do. And I'm not, it's not, I'm not losing my attention elsewhere. It's great. I love it. It's so good and cannot wait for more. So that's all I have to say. No, that's cool. It's good to hear that you're still enjoying it. I will kind of say the same thing. I'm getting towards the end of Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm at like the final boss. I'm in chapter 16. I know there's 16 chapters, so I'm right there. I'm, I love it. This is AAA, but it's it's a good side. I think they did some unique, nice stuff with the Marvel property, with the characters. Yeah. I think it should be like two hours shorter. I keep thinking I'm getting towards the end and the game feels long, but nothing... There's no like mission that I hate doing. It's not like they keep it fresh. They keep it different. Nothing really overstays its welcome. Yeah. But it's like a 15 to 18 hour game. I thought this was going to be like a 10 to 12. And maybe that's just a me problem. No, nah, it would have been better and tighter at 12, I think. But I think it's a fantastic game. I love Guardians of the Galaxy. I almost want to say that it is the best use of the Marvel license in a single player experience. And you think... Spider-Man, yeah, the property gets thrown around. A lot of Spider-Man games out there, but they don't really do much. This here was 
just like the movie Guardians of the Galaxy was a huge leap when they brought it to film, the game could have been just a replication of the movies. They could have been something trying to do from the comics. This felt like a really fresh take on something in between, not the movies exactly, Carnations. Yeah. And I think it's a great use of the Marvel license. I think so. It has a lot in it, right? I think, I, I, you mean... I think the best Marvel game is Spider-Man, but I think this is very close in quality. I think I think Square Enix or Eidos Montreal, whoever made it, I guess now they're they're on their own now because they just got bought by Embracer Group. Spider-Man's a great game, and I don't want to take anything away from it, but this game, one second you're flying the ship, the next second you're trying to get your your guys back together, your team. There's this freshness to the oh, yeah. team aspect. And I, I think you might have said it when you played this game months ago, and every time it happens, I think about you. Every time you go to the huddle, Yes. It takes a little bit longer than I get hyped, but it takes a little bit longer than I want it to. But then once the music starts blasting and you have, you're like fully like powered up your characters, you get like this adrenaline rush and it's really cool. Dude, it is the best thing. Um, I was the first time I was playing that game was late at night. I had COVID and I was miserable and I was playing it and I did the huddle up and then I was Blondie's call me came on and it was like late. And I said, I don't really care. I'm turning up the volume. I turned up the volume. It was super loud. And it was just the best thing to do for a boss fight. Unbelievable. What a great game. Yeah. For me, it was it was late at night the other night. I was kind of getting tired. I shouldn't be playing anymore. I huddle up and I go, and I run. <laughs> I run so far. And I just, I'm like, yes, I'm hyped right now. And I'm just going to blow up some crazy looking monsters. So, so, so good. The game's great. I'm loving it. Hopefully I have something new to report uh, next recording. But that's well, what I've been up to. Well, Matt, I'm happy you're playing it and enjoying it. Yes. Yes, sir. So that is, I believe, episode 90, 91. We're somewhere in that vicinity, Mike. So we're inching again closer and closer to 100. We thank everyone, as always. And I thank you, Mike, for yeah, joining no. me here on the pod. How can people find you? Thank you, Matt, as always, for doing this. You you all can find me. And tell us this- about your new pod, too. Ooh, yeah, I, I have, I'll have to tell you about that. You can find me here on the uh, Hall of Fame Video Game Podcast every week, or mostly every week. And then you can find on a brand new podcast that I just started with my friend Jordan. If you're a fan of the of Batman, the animated series, we are doing a, an episode-by-episode episode series retrospective called The Batman-Tasticast. That is B-A-T-M-A-N-T-A-S-I-C-A-S-T. You can find us all over the internet. We're on all the social medias, but you can also find us on Spotify and Google Podcasts and Amazon and Apple Podcasts. And we're talking about Batman. We're two episodes. We've we've debuted two episodes, but we've recorded way more than that. And we will be a weekly journey back into the what we say is the greatest animated series of all time, Batman the Animated Series, to celebrate its 30th anniversary. So please listen and watch and do whatever you can with that after you've listened and watched and done anything you can with Hall of Fame podcast, Hall of Fame video game podcast. Give us likes and subscribes and leave all those comments. And you can always find me at the underscore Mike underscore Stalb on all your socials. Awesome. So we are at Hall of Fame pod on Instagram. We're trying to keep the social media content going. So please interact, let us know and leave reviews. It is so helpful when you guys leave reviews on Apple and on Google and elsewhere. So thank you guys ever so much for listening. And we will see you guys all next time. See ya. From Mike and Matt, thank you for listening to the Hall of Fame Game Podcast. Check us out on Instagram at Hall of Fame Pod or email us at thehalloffamepod at gmail.com. Please leave us a review and be sure to tune in next time.